coming. Hallelujah. He's going to bring the capital letters word, W-O-R-D, this morning. Hallelujah. How many is ready for the word? Praise God. Hallelujah, Brother Sam. Sock it to us. Hallelujah. Just let the word, hallelujah, come forth. Praise God. Church, good morning. Y'all hear me? All right, good morning. I don't know about you, but I'm happy to be in the house of God this morning with all of God's people. I'm excited for what he's going to do in this place. Uh, just to give you a little heads up, I want to leave a little bit of time uh, towards the end of the service today uh, to, to go back into worship for just a moment. Uh, because I believe uh, the word of God and the message that he wants us to receive today is very, very important. As you know, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up here real shortly. Uh, who, just by raise of hands, who already has their Christmas decorations going up or they're already up? All right, you are my people. You are my people. There's some, I, I know, I know, there's some of those that are like, hey, the day after Thanksgiving, like not a moment before Black Friday starts at, at midnight, not a moment before. Uh, but see, I love God and I have enough room in my heart for Thanksgiving and Christmas simultaneously. Uh, so, but I do want to say this today, I want to talk about Thanksgiving. Not the day, but what it is, thanksgiving. Um, if, well, before we do that, let's just pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you today for your word. And I pray, God, that as we dive into your word, Lord, that our, our minds would be connected to you, to think about what you're saying. God, our ears would be open to hear what you're saying without bias, God. But most importantly, God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive your word. And not only would we just hear it and think about it, God, but that we would live it this week in everything we do. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. Well, the title of the message today is Came Back Shouting. Came Back Shouting. Doesn't sound like it means a whole lot yet, but you'll see why uh, here in just a moment. But I want to ask you this. Do you know, do you have an idea of what our number one goal as Christians should be? By the way, we, we say this in youth church all the time. We, we say a quiet church is a, come on, I need, I need to hear you all too because I've said it in here plenty of times. A quiet church is a, a dead church, and we're not a dead church. We are a church that serves the living God, and he is here in this place. So uh, do, do you know what our number one goal as Christians should be? Anybody? Anybody want to throw something out there? Oh, come on. They, are you no, Worship worship. Our number one goal as Christians should be worship. Now you can worship in, a, in a, a lot of different ways. We're going to talk about that some this morning, but that should be our number one goal because worship, I want you to listen to this. If you're taking notes, this would be a great thing to write down. This is a great definition of worship. Worship is the outward expression of the love we have in our hearts for God. That's what it is. We, we love God, so we express it outwardly. That's what worship is. And, and I've, I've been teaching the youth, and I really want them to understand this. I really want our kids, our youth, to really grasp this idea. This would be good for every man and woman of God to grasp this idea that worship is an outward expression. And I know I, I was raised in a church where we went in, and we had music, and we sang, 
and I, I'm not getting on to anybody if this is what you do, but I, we would stand there just like this and we'd sing a song and we would call it worship. But I want to tell you, we, we're going to look at what the Word of God says about what worship is because if you've grown up that way, that you don't want to raise your hands or you feel uncomfortable moving or dancing or shouting or, 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 or whatever you think is inappropriate uh, to uh, an appropriate way to to give God worship if you grew up like that like I did then it's really hard to kind of break that barrier especially whenever you come to a church like this you see people lifting their hands and shouting you may see someone running uh, doing cartwheels uh, you know I don't know climbing a rope up to the ceiling I don't know (laughs) I've never seen that yet but maybe one day we'll get there (laughs) but worship is an outward expression and I want to, uh, just before we jump into the Word, by the way, if you have the Version Bible app, you can follow along with all the sermon notes, uh, all the scripture references uh, we're going to use. You can do that uh, by looking right here on the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. Once you pull up the Version Bible app, uh, there's a button that says More. You can click on that and then Events, and it'll find you. And uh, you can click on the little button that pops up there, and it'll have all the, uh, it'll have some notes there for you, as well as all the scripture references that we're going to be using this morning. You can save that to your phone so you can go back and study later. I tell our youth this all the time, hey, go back and study it. Don't just take my word for something you hear, but look in the word of God and make sure that it's true for yourself. So I encourage you to do that as well. Um, and also, I, I want to, what I want to do is I want to give you seven Hebrew words that are used in the Bible for worship. So if you're reading in the Bible and you see the word worship, someone worshiped, then the, it's more than likely one of these seven words that are used. And so the first word is halal, which means to give thanks by being clamorously foolish. Now I'm, I'm going to show you seven words, and I want to see if you can find some similarities in each of these seven words that uh, we discussed that, that describe worship. Um, here's one of them. They're all used in the Bible. Halal, to give thanks by being calamorously foolish. Uh, first of all, if you've ever come to a church service and you saw someone and you're like, that's a little bit crazy, uh, they're probably halaling right there. This, by the way, is where we get our word hallelujah from, if you didn't know that, so that's uh, interesting there. Uh, the second word is yada, which means to give thanks with lifted hands. The third word is toda, which means not ta-da, but toda. <laughs> uh, it means a Thanksgiving choir. Is anybody noticing some similarities yet? Let's read these words here. All right. Here's the fourth word, zamar, which means to give thanks with a musical instrument, Brother Keith and, and Brother Kate and, and Miss Darla and, and the, the horns and the drums and they just did that this morning. They just zamarred. It was beautiful. The next word is tehila, which means to sing a song of thanksgiving, which is not to be confused with the word tequila. Uh, it, it may make you sing a song, but it's probably not worship. Uh, so I'll just leave that there for you. The, sev- or the sixth word is barak, not to be confused with Obama. But it means to kneel in thanksgiving. To kneel in thanksgiving. And then the seventh word is shabak, which means to give thanks with a loud voice or to shout. 
Anybody notice any, there's, there's two similarities in each one of these things. Anybody catch even one of them? Thanks. The word thanks is all through there. Thanks, thanksgiving, thankful. Uh, that, that, that's very good observation. Do you notice the, the second observation for all these seven things? Did you notice that all seven of these are outward expressions? It's all something that you do. It's not just something that you see because it, whenever I was growing up, uh, whenever I would worship, I'd say, well, don't judge me because I'm worshiping God in my heart. And although your thought process may be right and you may love God, that's not work. Can I be pastoral for a second? That's not worship. Because worship, by definition in the Bible, is an outward expression. And so my question to you today is how do we as Christians come from a place uh, of maybe you grew up like I did where you're not real comfortable expressing worship. So how do you get to that place to where you express worship? Well, I want to look into a portion of scripture with you this morning in Luke chapter 17. You can turn there and put your finger there for a moment, or, or you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, while you're turning there, I want to read uh, one verse of scripture that's absolutely beautiful. It's uh, Psalms chapter 100 verse 4. Chances are you're probably real familiar with it. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving is the Hebrew word Torah. And into his courts with Praise, that word praise there is tehillah. Be thankful, that word used there is yada to him. And bless, that word is barak, his name. So we see in one verse of scripture in the Bible, and you can look this up, there's a great resource that I like to use called the Blue Letter Bible. Not the red letter, the Blue Letter Bible. And you can look up every single English word in the Bible and see the, the original Hebrew word in the Old Testament or Greek word in the New Testament to get a fuller meaning of what it is. But I want you to notice this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And I feel like for so many of us Christians, we, we read these words and we just roll over like, oh, that's a great verse. That's, I should post that up somewhere in my house during Thanksgiving so everyone can read it because it says the word Thanksgiving on it. But I want, to look, I want you to look at the fuller meaning of this. I'm going to, to read it for you, and instead of using the Hebrew words, I'm going to put the Hebrew meanings in it. This is what that verse says, uh, Psalms 100, verse 4. It says, enter his gates with a thanksgiving choir. In other words, in unity. And into his courts singing praises. Be thankful by lifting your hands to him and bless him by bowing before his name. That's what that verse means. And so many times we, we see it, you know, be thankful and, and praise, that's great. But what's the fuller meaning? It's a picture of expressive worship. It's a picture of expressing your love to God, and it's a very beautiful one at that. So our goal as Christians is to worship. I want to look at Luke chapter 17. We're just going to read verse 11 through 19. Luke 17. It says, now it happened, I'm reading, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading, going to be reading from the NLT version this morning. It says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. We're going to explain why here in just a moment. Crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him. Someone say thanking him. Thanking him for, all, for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I love this because it says the man came back shouting. Came back shouting. I want to ask you, this man, he's healed the leprosy comes back to Jesus, shouting, praise God, falling at his feet, being thankful to him. Can I ask you a question? Is that an appropriate way to worship? Is what this former, formerly leprous man, is what he did, was it appropriate? Was it a, an appropriate response to what God had done in his life? All right. I want to talk about that tonight. Because can I tell you this? God did a miracle in him. And I actually want to share three steps, if you will. Three steps from go, to going from a place of being apprehensive about worshiping, expressing to a place of thanking God, shouting, to praising with all of your might. And so here's three steps, because I'm a very practical person. Uh, from this, and I'm taking it from Luke chapter 17 right here. Step number one, obedience produces miracles. If you want to get to that place, our goal as Christians to being a worshiper, then you have to understand how do you get there? Well, number one, obedience produces miracles. I want you to notice whenever Jesus, whenever he was walking through, uh, he was right on the border of Galilee and Samaria. Galilee is where the Jewish people live. Samaria was where the Samaritans live. I got to give you just a little bit of a background here. Uh, the Jewish people were Jews. The Samaritan people were half Jewish and half Gentile. Uh, the Jews absolutely hated the Gentiles. It was a huge racial divide in that generation. The Gentiles despised the Jews. It was a mutual hatred between one another. And then you had the Samaritans who were caught in the middle. It's where maybe a, a Jewish woman and a Gentile man... Uh, got married, had kids, and their kids were Samaritans because the Jews didn't want them and the Gentiles didn't want them. They said, hey, this person right here is, is half of them. I don't want anything to do with them. And so there was this big racial divide going on right there. But I want you to notice something. Whenever Jesus is walking through this, this border town, he goes into a village there, is a, a, a village, and right outside the village was 10 men who had a skin disease called leprosy. And the Bible says that there, or it, it doesn't say, but it mentions here what we just read a second ago, that Jesus said, I, I, I healed 10. Where are the other nine? Has, is this foreigner the only one that has come back to, to give glory to God? In other words, that there were some others there that weren't Samaritan. Maybe they were Jewish. Maybe there were some that were full-blood Gentile. But I want you to notice something. Because of their disease, because of their condition, 
they were forced to live outside of the city. The Jews couldn't live in Galilee. The Samaritans couldn't live in Samaria. They were forced to live outside the city so they would colonate together as people with the same disease. They would colonate together to help one another because there was no help outside of their colony. They were ostracized from the community, kicked out of their homes, uh, fired from their jobs, moved out forcefully out of the city, out of the city gates, out of the city walls to just survive on their own until they die. And that's who Jesus encounters. That's who Jesus encounters. I want you to notice something. He wasn't in the synagogue teaching, and these religious people came up to him, have mercy on us. No, these were people that had been left for dead outside of the city, coming to Jesus, have mercy on us. And actually, I wish I had time to read it, but the beginning portion of Luke chapter 17, Jesus is teaching the disciples about obedience. He tells them, uh, listen, if somebody comes and they sin against you, if they offend you, you need to forgive them. He goes on to say, wait a second, wait a second, I, I can just, I can just see God, I can just see Jesus in that moment in my mind. He's like, wait a second, wait a second, I think I know what you think I said. But I really want you to understand, you must forgive someone that offends you, that sins against you. And if the same person commits the same sin against you seven times in the same day and comes back to you and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive them. And the disciples, their response, you can read it in the first portion of Luke chapter 17. Their response was, God, we need more faith. Don't you think that would be your response? Jesus comes to you and he's like, hey, remember that person, how they did you wrong? Yeah. If they do that seven times in the same day, on Monday whenever you go back to work, if that coworker does that same thing to you seven times and asks you for forgiveness, you better forgive them. You'd be like, God, this is what Jesus tells them. He said, if you only had faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry bush, which is a bush that has extremely deep, grasping roots, be pulled up and be thrown into the sea, and it would be done for In other words, this is what he's saying. He's saying to the disciples, you don't need more faith, you just need to obey. Now listen, I, whenever it comes to the subject of faith, I could sit up here and preach on it, so I'm doing the faith and pass out. I love the subject of faith. Absolutely incredible. And this one challenged me, because Jesus is saying, hey, sometimes you don't need more faith, you just need to obey. Sometimes you just need to do what I say. Whenever I was a kid, my mom or my dad, they would tell me to do something. I'm like, but why? They said, because I hated it. It was the worst thing. And I told uh, Emily, I was like, listen, if I ever say that, then stop me because I, I don't want to, to say that with my son. I don't want him to do something just because, you know, and I understand. I understand where parents are coming from if you've done it. I have done it too. Uh, but I want to say this. That is one of the things that got under my skin. But I love it because Jesus, he's like, hey, listen. Don't do it. Don't say anymore. Just do what I say. See, church, if we want to experience miracles in our lives, sometimes we're just going to have to be obedient. We're just going to have to do what he says. And Jesus, he goes, he, he's in this, this border village, and these ten men come out to him crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I want you to notice what Jesus does. He says, be clean, you are healed, Right? What did he say? 
He said, go show yourselves to the priest. To us, that means nothing. But back in this day, they knew the law of Moses, if a man had leprosy, by law, he was forced out of the city. It wasn't just because people were just wanting to be really mean and ruin someone's life. But by law, they had to leave the city. It was a law. They were not allowed to go back into the city. They were not allowed to go to the grocery store and do shopping. They were not allowed to, to get a job and, and have a career and make money. They were not allowed to live with their families. They couldn't hold their spouse again. They couldn't kiss their kids or, or watch them grow up and graduate or get married or do any of these things. They were completely ostracized from life as they had once known it. That's the condition that these men were in. And in the law it says that if you want to be able to come back into community, you, if you've been healed of your leprosy, you must go back to the priest. The priest acts as the doctor, and he looks you over, and he says, okay, your, your, your leprous sores are gone. You look good. Uh, and then they would say, okay, stay in this room for seven days. After seven days, I'll check you again. If you've gotten worse, you've got to leave the city. If you've gotten better, you can come back in and enjoy life as you once did. That was the law. And so whenever Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest, that's what he's saying. <laughs> I want you to notice something. They weren't healed at that moment. They weren't healed yet. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Look at my condition. Look at my lifestyle. I'm living in a cardboard box. I, I, I want to see my family. I want to kiss my wife. I want to hold my kids again. Have mercy on us. And Jesus could have said, okay, you're healed. But he didn't. What did he say? Show yourselves to the priest. I think the reason he did that is because this, this isn't a different story from the one we just read about the disciples needing more faith to forgive. This is a continuation. Jesus is explaining obedience as they're walking through, and then these, these leprous men come to him. I can just see Jesus looking back at his disciples and saying, watch this. He turns to the lepers and says, go show yourselves to the priest. What do they do? You need to notice something. It's illegal for these men to go back in town. That's where the priest is. They're not healed yet, but they are going back. They're walking. They are on their way. And the Bible says that as they were on their way, as they walked, they looked down and, wow, I'm healed. I'm cleansed. Can you imagine what that might have been like? You're walking downtown and, and uh, I don't want to gross anybody out. I just want to give you just a very narrow description of leprosy, but it is a very contagious, very uh, rapidly moving, painful skin disease. And it would start out where you could get bumps on your skin, you scratch them, and it starts to bleed open, and, and bodily fluids are, I, I told you, I don't want to get you too grossed out, but I want you to understand the magnitude of this. These men... Uh, leprosy in, in its middle stages, the tips of your fingers fall off of your hand. Your whole hand can end up falling off, and you just got a, a nub of an arm there. In the later stages, your eyeballs literally rot out of your skull. It stinks. There's a bad odor. You, you start to, your, your nervous system is attacked. You can't feel anything anymore. If you get cut, you wouldn't know it. So it's very dangerous and a hundred percent deadly disease. If you got leprosy, it was sure that you would die of leprosy because there was no cure for it. Today there is, thank God. But back then there wasn't. 
And these men, I can just imagine all 10 of them, they're walking to the priest, and some of them have lost toes and, and, and limbs and stuff. They're, I can just see them like the walking dead, you know, just you know, walking to the priest. You know? I mean, he told me to go to the priest, and as they're walking, all of a sudden, they stand up a little bit straighter and walk a little bit smoother. And one of them looks down, and he's like, wait a second, that was bleeding this morning. Wait, wait, I can feel my toes again. Oh my goodness, I, let me unwrap my head here. I can see with this eye again. I can just imagine as they're walking, they're looking at each other like, what? Look at this. Look what he did. I, I, can, I mean, I bet you they were jumping up and down, screaming, shouting, hugging, because they knew that the lifestyle that they had been ostracized from was now available to them again. It's because they were obedient. You're looking around in your life and you're saying, God, I need a miracle in my life. I know you see me. I know you see what's going on in my family. Why aren't you doing anything, God? If you've ever been there, just raise your hand. Just be realized. God, where are you at? What are you doing? I can just imagine God sometimes. He's like, listen, you haven't been obedient to what I've told you to do yet. You haven't done what I asked you. I didn't say be healed and then go to the priest. I said go to the priest. I want to encourage you today, church, to be obedient to the word of God. Be obedient to the will of God in your life. I imagine Jesus looking back at the crowd and saying, you got to be obedient. Obedience produces miracles. Point number two. Miracles produce thankfulness. So you've been obedient. Now you're moving on. Because obedience produces miracles, but I want you to know something. Miracles produce thankfulness. Miracles produce thankfulness. As they went, as they obeyed, they were healed. A miracle had happened in their life. And this wasn't just a, a small thing. I, I've already told you, I mean, we can think that the disease would be bad enough, but if you couldn't live with your family, if you couldn't have a job, if you could, I don't, I honestly don't know how they lived. I don't know how they lived with the condition and with the lifestyle that they had to live in. They, they made it work somehow, some way. But I want you to notice whenever they were healed, what did they do? Well, actually, nine of them did one thing and one of them did another. Nine of them continued on to the priest. One of them returned shouting. I want to show you the difference. If I were to give you a gift, say this and this, what's inside here is very, very valuable. Actually, it's in space. So it's not really valuable. But pretend like it was. Pretend like it was an incredible treasure. Jesus came to you and was like, hey, I've got a gift for you. Matthew, what would your response? If I came to you and I gave you a gift, here, this is for you, what would your response be? And I want to show you that there's two different responses. 
Now, all ten of these men received the same miracle. But nine of them, although I'm sure they were grateful for what had happened to them, I'm sure they were grateful for their new opportunity at life again. I'm sure that they were grateful that their bodies were healed and the disease was there no more. I'm sure that they were grateful, but one of them was thankful. Now, there's a difference between being grateful and being thankful. If I give you a gift, you could be thankful that you received it without being, or you could be grateful that you received it without being thankful to me who gave it to you. And nine of these men, they were grateful for what Jesus had done, but only one of them was thankful for the person that did it. Wow. See, miracles produce thankfulness, but it only produces thankfulness in those hearts who better themselves. It only produces thankfulness in the heart that is focused on God. It can produce gratefulness. A gift, a benefit, can, uh, that's the definition of being grateful. Being grateful means that you are appreciative of benefits earned, or benefits given, I should say. You're appreciative of benefits given. Being thankful means you express that gratitude to the giver. And so nine of these men, they were grateful for what they had received. They packed it up and they headed on to the priest, which by the way is what Jesus told them to do. They were still walking in obedience, but I want you to notice something. One man, he received the miracle, the gift of God in his life, and he, I can just see him walking and he stops and the other nine just kind of keep moving, looking at each other, look, my thumb's good. You know, they're talking or what. And I can just see the last person thinking, man, I can't wait to go to the priest so I can get my life back. But for a moment, that's going to have to wait because someone has done something. Someone has done, listen, miracles produce thankfulness. Miracles produce thankfulness. He goes back to Jesus, thankful. It says he goes back shouting, praise God! He falls at the feet of Jesus, worshiping God. And I can just see Jesus in that moment. I can just see, uh, to me, reading through the story, it sounds like, you know, he kind of keeps his composure. But in his heart, I can imagine his heart had the biggest smile. Just like, yeah! This man comes back thanking him for what he had done. Praising, shouting, praising God. Was that an appropriate response? Now we think about his life, the way that he lived, what all he had just been healed and delivered from, the disease that he had been cleansed from, it's incredible. So it wasn't an appropriate response. Let me ask you, if this man went back after thanking Jesus, went and lived on his life, had kids, reestablished his career, made money, had a nice house, a nice BMW in the garage, a dog in the backyard, and all of this, and, and he was to be walking along through Walmart one day, and he bumps into Jesus there in the cereal aisle. Would it be appropriate for him to give the same passion and the same dedication of worship as he did previously? Yes. Absolutely. He received a miracle in his life. Do y'all know what a miracle is? We throw around that word a lot. 
me give you a really simple definition. A miracle is something that only God can do. I can't do it, you can't do it, only God can do a miracle. It's something only he can do. Can I, can I remind you of something? If you are a Christian, if you've been saved, you've experienced a miracle in your life. Hebrews, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 9, 9, 4, 5, somewhere right around there. The Bible says that we only receive forgiveness of sins through shed blood. Who shed blood for you? So who's the only one that can forgive you? Now, if you come to me and uh, if I, I did something wrong to you, you come to me and you're like, hey, I forgive you. That, that's what God told us to do, forgive. You forgive someone for wronging you. And you can do that, but only God can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. That's a miracle. If you've experienced salvation, that is a miracle. Man can't do that for you. Only God can do that for you. So let me ask you a question. What would be an appropriate response for you to give back to Jesus and thank you? He has done something that, oh, come on, church. He has done something that only he can do. He deserves some praise and worship. And I love this because the ten men, whenever they first saw Jesus, it says that they were standing at a distance because the law said that they couldn't get even close to anyone who didn't have leprosy. And if they were to somehow be, be walking down the road and someone who didn't have leprosy was to come in, in into close proximity of them, they would have to move out of the way and shout, unclean, unclean. So that the person, the healthy person walking by would know, oh, I can't get around this guy. I gotta move all around him. Can you imagine what that must have been like? That's why they were standing at a distance as Jesus and his disciples are traveling through. And what, what does the Bible say they do? They cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus sends them on their way and they're healed. One of them comes back, still shouting. I want you to notice something. These ten men, their bodies were desperate. Their bodies were desperate. But one of them came back shouting because although his body had been healed, his heart was still desperate. His heart was still desperate. I want you to notice something whenever Jesus, he starts to ask questions in, in verse 17. Didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus addresses the man and he says this, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Now, that's very different from what verse 14 said. It said, as they went, they were cleansed. Excuse me. They were cleansed. Their bodies were healed. But this man comes back still shouting because even though his body's been healed, his heart is still desperate. He realizes, hey, a man couldn't have done what just happened to me. I must have had an encounter with God himself on that road. So he runs back. He doesn't address, notice earlier he addressed them as Jesus' master, which means a, like a manager or someone in authority. He addresses him as master, but now he runs back shouting what? Praise, praise God. No longer is he just a master and authority figure in his life. He says, hey, listen, what you did, man can't do. What you did, only God can do. And so he humbles himself. He bows before him, and he thanks God. Come on, church. 
His body was desperate, but his heart was still desperate. And so he goes back shouting the same way he came in shouting. He comes back to Jesus shouting. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Now that word cleanse that we read in verse 14, that, that's a physical healing. But this word in the, in the Greek, this word healed is, this, is the word that means, is the same word that is used whenever the Bible talks about salvation. Being made whole. And so whenever he comes back, he comes back with a cleansed body. But by his thankfulness and his attitude, towards the giver he has now been made whole been saved now come on church come on now it's not just his body that's healed but it's his spirit that's made alive again church this is the difference between being a grateful christian and a thankful christian if you want to get to that place of worship which is our goal as christians you've got to learn how to be thankful I was talking with Brother Keith this morning, and, and we were talking about worship. And I, you know, I said, man, I was telling Brother Keith, I said, Brother Keith, whenever I find it hard to worship, whenever it's hard, you know, I go into church and it's hard to raise my hands or it's hard to sing just because I've had a, a bad week. But this is my go-to. I start to thank God for what he's done. I start to just remind myself of the goodness of God. I start to remind myself not just of what he's done, but who he is. And you know, I, I told Brother Keith, I said, it works every time. It's like this little, it's a little secret. I won't let you in on the secret. It works every time. Because if you start to tell God how good he is, all of a sudden your heart just starts to well up and, and, and swell up. And you're just like, you know what? God, I worship you. You're worthy of it. I'm glad to be here in the presence of you. I'm glad to lift my hands. I'm glad to shout. I'm glad to dance because I can see what you've done in my life. Now, the grateful Christian, they will hold on to the gift and they'll run with it, but the thankful Christian will bring the gift back to God and say, God, look what you did. This is amazing. I thank you for it. As good as this is, you're even greater still. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to shout so much. I'm sorry. I apologize. I just get excited whenever I talk about the goodness of God. He was healed. He was healed. This is why. When you're grateful, good to put in your notes. When you're grateful, you're excited about the gift. When you're thankful, you're excited about the giver. Excited about the giver. Marquise, can you help me out, man? Can you give me a hand up here, please, sir? Sorry, I didn't ask him beforehand. It's really easy, and it'll only take about 20 seconds, I promise. After that, you don't have to sweat anymore. All right, so I want to give you this gift here. It's this amazing gift. It's great. It's beautiful. Could you just stand right here? And I've got this gift right here in front of you. All right, now this is a beautiful gift. It's a great box right here. It's a little thing here that can open up and close. It's a paper. I don't even remember what the paper is. That's in there from earlier. I'm sorry about that. But you can have it if you want it. But this is really great. This is a great gift right here that I have for you. something else.
Can you, can you put it back there for me, please? Sorry, man. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> they put that up there while you were focused on the gift. But I want you to notice something. I didn't have to tell you to look at the ceiling. Whenever I put my focus, my attention on the ceiling, you looked up too. And trust, this gets everybody every time. You can walk by someone in Walmart, and as you're walking by, just go, I promise you they will stop whatever they're doing, and they'll, <laughs> it's, 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 in our nature. I don't know. It's, it's just natural for us. Thank you, Marquise. Y'all give Marquise a big hand, please. Listen, thankfulness is the Christian's greatest witness. Thankfulness. You can go out, you can preach in the streets until you're blue in the face, and unbelievers, they might, they might listen, they might uh, uh, respond and give their hearts to God, but probably the majority of the time they won't. But I want you to notice something. If you're just grateful for what God has given you, but you're not thankful for who he is in your life, listen, whenever you're grateful, you put your attention on the, on the gift. Whenever you're thankful, you put your attention on the giver. And whenever you as a Christian have a thankful heart, a thankful life, and you're going around telling people, listen, this is what God has done, and as good as that is, this is who God is. This is who he is. You start to put your focus and attention on something else, people will notice. I don't know if you've been around Pastor Billy much. One thing I, I noticed about him early on is one of the things he focuses on, that's safety. If you've ever been around, if you ever helped with an event, you know not to put tables or chairs beyond the black lines in the gym. That's a fire hazard. And uh, we, we put several things out in the foyer before for VBS and Brother Bill came to me and, and lovingly, you know, he said, hey, you know, this looks great, this decoration is great, but we're going to have to pick it up. That's a tripping hazard. He'd let me know, and I, I've noticed through Brother Billy, one thing that he's focused on is safety, which is wonderful, because he catches me in a lot of things that I overlook, <laughs> and some, some of these kids probably would have come to VBS and uh, ended up in the emergency room <laughs> if it weren't for Brother Billy. Brother Ken Hogue, I haven't seen him here. Y'all know what one of his focuses is? Work. Man loves to work. If you've been around him for any amount of time, you've probably been helping dig a ditch or, or you know, paint something or climbing up scaffolding. Have you ever noticed something about Brother Keith? What's his thing? <laughs> 30 people, prayer! <laughs> they know Brother Keith's focus. Listen, whatever you focus on, people will, people will see what you're focused on and they will turn their attention to it as well. And I want to encourage you as a Christian, don't be just a grateful Christian. It's good to be grateful. Being grateful is not a bad thing. Be grateful for the gift he's given you. But I want to encourage you, be thankful to God for who he is. Because whenever you turn your heart, your focus, your attention on God, the unbelieving world, they'll see it and they'll say, man, God gave him that incredible thing, but he's not even, he's not even worried about that. He just keeps looking at God. Mm, that's good, church. You've seen in the news, there's a man named Kanye West. He's been going around. He just, uh, he's a, had been a, a secular hip-hop artist for years and years and uh, wrote some songs that I would not uh, suggest you listen to. <laughs> a few weeks ago, he dropped a new album called Jesus is King. And it's, it's still got the, the hip-hop sound to it, but the lyrics 
are all glorifying Jesus. And he's, come on, church, amen, come on. Now listen, you, you might have an opinion about them, uh, you might struggle, uh, even Paul in the Old Testament, uh, some Bible, Brother Billy was telling me, some Bible scholars said uh, that, that it could have taken up to three years before anyone in the church accepted him and received him as, a, as an apostle, as a preacher, as a messenger of God. And I don't know Kanye's heart, and I'm not his judge. The Bible does say we can examine the fruit as Christians. And I, I've examined some fruit. I've examined his album, because I, I like that kind of thing, too. And, uh, and what I've seen is good. And he went on an interview with Jimmy Kimmel one night. And the, the whole secular world of music and art is, is kind of upset at Kanye for the stance that he's taking, the bold proclamation that Jesus is king in his life now, that he has been saved and changed from the inside out. And so he asked Kanye West, he said, would you consider yourself now to be a Christian rapper? And I love Kanye's res uh, response. He says, man, I'm a Christian everything. I'm a Christian everything. It did, whenever I gave my heart to Jesus, it, and I'm paraphrasing now, but whenever I gave my heart to Jesus, I didn't just give it to him for rap and hip-hop. I gave, it, I gave my whole heart to him. I'm, he said, I'm a Christian everything. That should be all of our response. Whenever people see us at work, they should see us looking at the giver. Whenever people see us running around town, they should see us with our heads up looking at the giver, looking at the giver, not just the gift, but being thankful to the giver. Miracles produce thankfulness. Here's the last one. Thankfulness produces worship. Thankfulness produces worship. This man, he had permanently been moved out of the city. But now he could be reunited with a family that he might have had or, or a job or a career that he might have had started before he developed this illness. He could do all of those things. But the only thing that he wanted to do now was worship. It was more important. Listen, God told him, go show yourself to the priest. I love this because I love the heart of God. He was going. He didn't get there. He, some, some religious people say he disobeyed by turning around to, to give God glory. But I love Jesus' heart. He didn't see it as being disobedient. He saw it as being thankful, someone being grateful. And more so than that, this wasn't a Jewish man. Jesus was a Jewish man. This wasn't a Jewish man coming back, falling on his face at the feet of Jesus, thanking him. This was a Samaritan, someone that the Jews hated. The racial divide was huge. But this man had been touched on the outside and now on the inside because he chose to give his thankfulness and he walks back to Jesus and he worships him. He worships him. Church, I want to encourage you to be a thankful people. If you're grateful, you won't get to the place of worship. But if you're thankful, it will drive you to worship. It'll, it, whenever you're thankful, it places Jesus above everything else in your life. And the only thing you want to do is just go and worship him. As Christians... That's our number one goal. That's our number one goal. Oh. Like, set the mood there. See, whenever this man came back to Jesus, if the worship team would go on, come on up, please. Whenever this man came back to Jesus, he was healed, he was whole. 
God says, not only is your body healed, but now your spirit is made alive too. Now get up and go to the priest. Go on with your life. Do, do what I commanded you, what I told you to do. Be obedient to the word. If you came back to worship, you still had to be obedient. Worship is an excuse to not be obedient. <laughs> but he goes back. And I can imagine he gets there, and the other nine are there with the priest, and the priest is, he's, he's looking around. He's over there fumbling through papers, being like, man, I know that law is in here somewhere. I know it says if someone's healed from leprosy, God, you'll just have to give me a second. I'm sorry. No one's ever come in here having been healed of a deadly disease before. So give me a second to look up and see where it says what I'm as a, as a priest am supposed to do. How do, how, how do I ceremonially uh, declare that you are clean? I can just imagine he's, he's going around, he's looking around trying to figure out what to do next. Listen, that's the power of God. Because the priest before this time, he, I guarantee you, he had never had to go back into the book of the law and see how he was supposed to ceremonially proclaim a, a person that was going to die as being clean and, and alive again. But that's the power of God. It's the power of God. I want to show you this, too, about this man. Listen very carefully, especially if you've been a Christian for some time. Please listen very carefully. His heart being thankful, when he went back to Jesus, he understood what the others overlooked. Listen very closely, Christians. Listen very closely. You as a Christian, very, very closely. I told the youth, I said, listen, I'm preaching on this Wednesday night. I told them, if you only ever remember five things that I ever, ever tell you, I want this to be one of them. I want this to be one of them. I, and I want you to pay very, 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 very close attention. Having a thankful heart toward God will help you to understand things that most Christians will overlook. The nine had been healed. Their bodies cleansed. If we saw a miracle like that here at the altar this morning, we'd be jumping up and down. We'd be going to town this week saying, guess what God did at Calvary Tabernacle? But I want to remind you, that's not even the greatest thing that happened that day. Because this man, he wasn't just grateful for the gift, but he was thankful. And in his thankfulness, he understood what the other nine overlooked. He understood this wasn't just a man with authority. This is God himself that healed me. Come on, church. I, I don't like to put labels. I don't like to make assumptions, but that this is one thing I'm fairly confident in. I'm fairly confident that the church hasn't lived in power because we've just been grateful and not thankful. We've been grateful for what God does but our focus should never be on what God has done or what God can do. Our hearts just need to be set on worship Hallelujah. on the God of yeah. all gods, the King of all kings, yeah. with thankful hearts. Amen. The Bible says be thankful in every situation. It doesn't say be thankful for every situation, which means you can be in a bad situation and still be thankful. You can still have your heart and your mind focused on who God is. If you would stand with us here this morning. Hallelujah.
This man comes back to Jesus with a pretty bold worship. And I ask you, I'll ask you one more time, was it an appropriate response? Come on, church. Quiet church is a dead church. Was it an appropriate response? He received a miracle, and so he was thankful in a loud way. I want to encourage you today. If you've ever found yourself in that place, I, it's just hard for me to worship. I, I don't want to lift my hands because of what they might think. I don't want to look like a crazy person. And I encourage you today with every, every eye closed in this place. And I encourage you today, don't worry about who is around you or about what's happening in your life or what's going on or, or what someone might think. But I want you this Thanksgiving season to not just be grateful for the blessings of God, but to be thankful for who he is and let that thankfulness be overflowing out of your body with, by the way you respond in thanksgiving. It's okay, church, listen, it's okay. And I'm not saying everybody's gotta worship the same way. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, worship is an outward expression. It's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to dance. It's okay to sing, even if your voice isn't uh, worthy to be in a microphone. <laughs> it's okay to kneel. It's okay to shout. It's okay to express your love because that as Christians should be our number one goal. God, how can I show you today how much I love you? Listen, if you want to change your life and the circumstances around you, pray this prayer. God, how can I worship you today? How can I express fittingly my thankfulness for what you've done? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing this song and we're going to have a baptism here in a moment. I want to encourage you this morning to thank God without reservation of anyone that's around you here in this place today.
Indeed, it's here now. Someone say now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Check this out. This is good. Listen, this is a little secret, a little kingdom secret. God is so good enough to share it to us. 
Jesus tells you this. Let, let me put it this way. I know my dad. I love my dad. My, me and my dad are very, very close. The things I know about my dad that, that you don't, and a lot of you know about my dad. You've been asking me how he's been doing. I've heard he's sick. What's going on? And, and all this. You've asked me something about my dad. Now, here's the thing. I could let you, I'm not going to, <laughs> but I could let you in on some secrets about my dad. Some things that I know that, that you don't. To let you know a little bit more about who he is as a person. He's a wonderful person. The most wonderful man I've ever met in my life. And this is what Jesus does. He says, listen very closely. I want to tell you a secret about my father. He says this. The father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. My Father is looking for those who will worship Him. Come on, listen, church, this is such an incredible truth in this. You might feel that God is a million miles away, that He has no idea what's going on, and you've been crying out day and day and day and day after day, saying, God, why don't you do something? Why can't I hear you? Why don't you say something? Why don't you move? Can I let you in on a secret? He is looking for those who are worship. This just this is for free. If you want to catch the eye of God, worship. If you feel like he's a million miles away, just worship. If there's something going on in your life that just seems like you can't overcome, just worship. Because that's who he's looking for. He's not just looking for someone that can, I'm going to step on your toes real quick while they're getting ready. He's not just looking for someone that's going to sit there. Thanks. someone that doesn't care, someone that's willing to express their love, someone that says, God, God, you've given great things, but as great as the things are, you're greater still. So I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving season, don't just be grateful, be thankful. Don't just be worshipers, but worship in spirit and in truth. That's who God is looking for. While they're getting ready, uh, we just got a call that wanted us to pray right now. Steve Patterson's been fighting cancer for many years. He's been in Baylor. They brought him home the other day. Now they're flying him back to Baylor, and they're saying he's not going to make it. I want you to know that God is still on the throne. On. Brother Sam preached a dynamic message this morning. Our heart is what needs to be cleansed more than anything in this world. Why don't we just lift our voices like trumpet right now? He's probably in his 50s. Why would you die before your time? It's not his time. He may have done some things that caused this, but I want you to know God is a forgiving God and that God is a healing God. Lift your voices to heaven in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God. We praise you for healing. Steve Patterson right now. It'll go down in history with his mouth. He will admit and confess that how you have cleansed his body and cleansed his soul, Lord, as we've heard this morning, Lord, that he could be a thankful Christian, Lord. The power of Christ would live in his life. You raise him up out of that deathbed situation. We give you praise and honor in Jesus Christ for answering our prayer right now, Lord. 
as you sit at Lazarus' grave, you thank the Father that you hear us right now. We thank you that our prayers is heard right now and they're answered right now for this man of we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. worshiping this is an act of worship is it not just keep on worshiping you can watch this too and worship jesus at the same time kelsey submitted to be baptized according to the scripture in acts 238 where peter told that crowd that day he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the beautiful name of jesus for the remission of your sins you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit we're going to baptize her according to her her heart I'm sure her sins have already, she's dependent of her sins, but she's going to rise to a new life, as Paul Hallelujah. said. 